Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 29th of June 2014, entitled Open Doors Before Us, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 10, verses 1 to 11. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. There may be some that sometimes see something like a baptism and say, what's, what's it all about? Well, I want to make sure, first of all, just a few passages from God's Word that you understand what we are doing here this evening. We're not here this evening to make Antonio a Christian. That's already happened when he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work. When he sought that forgiveness from God based not upon what he had done, was doing, or would ever do, but based upon what Jesus had accomplished for him, The church was given two ordinances, the Lord's Supper and baptism. Those ordinances we practice, the first one is the baptism, is the first step that we take in following the Lord in obedience, identifying ourselves with Him. But both of these ordinances are ceremonies, rites, if you would, that, that symbolize, that show us just what it is that we have our faith in, symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ of the gospel, of the faith that we have put in that to be the finished work for us. What does it really mean to us? Well, in the book of Colossians chapter 2, we find that the first thing that it does is identifies us with Jesus Christ himself, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Well, there's many places we could look, but in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, hath he made alive together with him. Together with Jesus Christ, when he was raised, you were raised, having forgiven you all trespasses. Sometimes it's hard for us to really fully grasp all that God has done for us. This is not just some mystical idea. The truth is, in reality, spiritually, we identify with Jesus Christ in his death when he died upon the cross. You know, the simple truth is, is that Antonio's testimony is unique to him, but each and every one of us have a testimony in some way because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sometimes we may not look so bad if we're comparing ourselves with somebody else and the worse they are, then the better we look. But the truth is we're all sinners. When we are comparing ourselves to the glory of God, we all fall short of the mark. We miss that mark. And, of course, he goes on in that same book in chapter 6. He says, well, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are all sinners, and there's only one wage that we can earn for sin. There's only one place that it can lead us to, the same for everybody, and that's death. But, of course, he doesn't want death for you. He wants life and life everlasting. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Sometimes 
I think people get this misconception, and it's easy to do, that somehow if we do good and if we somehow can balance all this out in the heaven, then our reward is this place called heaven. And if we don't, if we miss it, then it's this place called hell. That that's what we work for, that's what we get after this life. But folks, that's not it at all. Heaven and hell are places of eternal abode. There's only two places eternally that everybody will exist, heaven or hell. And you know, again, we can try. Matter of fact, we're getting ready to approach those two subjects in our series on Sunday mornings. And all we can do is get little glimpses. But may I just simply put it this way. All that's right, all that's good, all that's holy, all that's glorious, all that is of God will be in that place called heaven, wherever it is out there, for all of eternity. Everything that is not of God everything that is unholy, everything that you can possibly imagine or think is in that place called hell. And so one has everything that is right and good, and the other has everything else. But that's not your reward. We will spend eternity somewhere. But what I want you to understand is what God has given you as a gift through Jesus Christ is eternal life. And those that are alive will be in that place called heaven. The wages of sin is death, to be totally, eternally separated from God forever in the place called hell, because that's where God's not. So what we want to realize this evening is that Jesus Christ came and somehow in God spiritually, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, when we put our faith and trust in him, we die on the cross with him. It's finished. It's done. Jesus cried, it is finished. But it wasn't just finished for him. It was finished what he was doing for all of us that would ever put our faith and trust in his work. He tells us here that we died with him. And that's what as we come here this evening, Antonio has already died to his sins when he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This that we do this evening is to represent us, for him to say to you, to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. As he goes down into that watery grave, identifying with the death of Jesus Christ, as he died on the cross, was buried in that grave, and rose again the third day. And we can look at many things, folks, but right here what he's saying this is that you are quickened. You are made alive together with him. Our hope is in the resurrection. Do you remember what we talked on there this morning when the apostle Paul was looking at all the adversity that he was facing there? And he said, why in the world would I be going through this if there's no resurrection? But we identify with him because he lives. We live also. So we find that it's that identification in Romans chapter 6. We find that, again, many times we talk about this Romans road. It's one of the simplest places to take and show people God's plan of salvation. But here in Romans chapter 6, he says, beginning in verse 3, he says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together 
in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So what we're doing here this evening, first of all, the meaning of baptism is not to save, but is to identify with the one that has saved us. The only means of salvation. I'm sure that even in this smallish congregation this evening, that we all have many different backgrounds and probably have identified with different kinds of churches and religions and faiths, some getting far outside of Christianity and, and all of these things. But you know, Jesus Christ... I love John chapter 14 when he was trying to prepare his apostles for his departure. I love the glorious promise that he's made for us there. And sometimes in this world, we've, we feel like that we're just losing out, that somehow we're just, not, we're just not getting there. We're not making it. But Jesus promised us something better. But in that same passage, when he said, in my father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. You know, he goes on after telling us that place is prepared, and that he's going to come back and he's going to get us, something that upsets a lot of the world nowadays. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You know, we're, we're not trying to somehow be narrow-minded or unkind or unloving. It's just that if the Bible is true, if we're going to put our faith in what this book says, and if we're going to stake our eternity upon it, then we take it as it is. We don't take it to make it what we want it to be. We don't make it fit our lives. We take it for what it says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There is no other way. We find that in John chapter 10, and I'll read that in just a moment because if I get going, I'm going to get sidetracked from what I'm wanting to mention here first. But first of all, baptism is special, not because... It saves or makes him any better Christian or gets him any closer to heaven because it's an identify, identification. One of those two ordinances that Christ has given to his church to identify with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, you may have been to baptisms that do it lots of different ways. Some would sprinkle, some would pour, some would dip. We just put the whole body under, okay? It's called submerging. You know, why would anybody want to go up there and let somebody dunk them down under all that water and get wet all over the place? Well, I could take you to many places in Scripture for the sake of time I want. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, you find that when Jesus Christ himself first went into the river to let John the Baptist baptize him, that he went into the river and he came up out of the river, out of the water. Some of us were talking before. I was baptized in what you would have called a river. Some of you others were in outside rivers that are just part of nature. And, of course, in John chapter 3, 23, there was much water there. Uh, Acts chapter 8, which we'll be reading in a moment, 
when Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch went down into the water. And, of course, the word baptize itself. It's a word in our English Bibles that did not exist as an English word before the Bible was translated. It's called a transliterated word. There was no word in the English. So it was transliterated from the Greek, and it literally means to submerge, to, to, to put under. And so we find that we baptize by immersion simply because we believe that's the only way we find in the Bible, so why should we do it differently? If others want to do it differently, that's between them and God, and that's fine with them. But for us, we find this the only method of baptism that we find in the Word of God. So that's a meaning and a method. Well, what about a motive? Why should we do it? Well, one thing that is certainly at the forefront of everything that we do here at Bethel is the commission that Jesus Christ left with us when he left this world. In Matthew chapter 28, one of the readings which we can find in, in all of the Gospels in the book of Acts, verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And I love this. And he says, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So we find that Jesus is the one, that the commission that he gave was that we go, we share the gospel, we win people to Christ, and we baptize them. We identify them with him and his church here upon this earth. So Jesus commanded it. And Jesus tells us in that same chapter 14 of the book of John, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. One thing to say, I love you. But he says, if you love me, do what I say, keep my commandments. And so we find that we have a very strong motive for wanting to follow the Lord in baptism. This may sound a bit strong, but I don't know how to put it any other way. The truth is, is that if we are obedient, we must follow the Lord in baptism because Jesus is the one that commanded it. If we say we put our faith and trust in Jesus, but don't take that step of baptism, then we're being disobedient to him. We're not following him in the command that he's left for us. So we have good reason. And of course, again, as we look into Acts chapter 8 for that reading in just a moment, we find that one thing that certainly with, with the Ethiopian eunuch, when he came up out of there after being baptized, the Bible says he was rejoicing. I believe that any time that you honor and identify with Christ and you're walking in obedience to what he has given to us, it brings joy. It brings an inner joy that this world can never give you. It gives you something that it's worthwhile. You know, there's a lot of things you, you do in this life, but they have no real meaning to them. But when we know that he loved us so much that he gave everything for us, and we're doing something that will please and honor him, then it's good. And I believe that that's the meaning, the method, the motive, the must I believe that every child of God should, believing, then being saved, and then following the Lord in believer's baptism. We could look at many passages for that, but we won't do that this evening. I mentioned to you this morning, we talked about open doors. 
Well, I mentioned something there this morning that I want to turn back, and I read one verse from John chapter 10. And I'd like to read that in its, in its full context. And I'm just going to read a few passages here because there are many open doors, and there are many doors that God opens before us. And, and folks, I believe this with all my heart. You can't become a Christian because you decide to on your terms, on your timetable. The Bible says that, first of all, yes, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Not only is Jesus the only way, but he also said that if the Father doesn't draw us, then we won't come. You see, the truth is, is that the greatest door that's ever opened for mankind is the door of salvation. Why do we call it a door of salvation? Well, I'm just using some of Jesus' terminology, and I like his words. We come up with our own sometimes, but I like using his words. In John chapter 10, we read this, and this is a discourse that Jesus himself gave. He says there, beginning in verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some of the way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for well, they know not the voice of a stranger. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You see, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. It's quite remarkable. You can look at that in a lot of ways, but bottom line is you can't go through Jesus without being saved. But he's the only way to salvation. There is no other way. But I mentioned this morning also that there is a danger involved. And I want to give you this just before we turn to our passage in Acts. But in Luke chapter 13, the Bible gives us another account in verses 22 through 28. And we find Jesus speaking again here. Notice what he says here. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 22, he says, And he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. 
Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. He shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. Then shall you begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not here, and you know me, I don't, I don't like to, don't even attempt to play on emotions or anything like that. You see, if God is to do a work in your life, I believe with all my heart that work must be done through his word by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you this evening, though, the change that happened in Antonio's life it's not just a turning over of a new leaf. It's not just getting a dose of religion. I remember all, all those years ago when my wife and I were on our honeymoon and she came to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and her family kept thinking this thing would wear off someday. <laughs> they thought this, this crazy American had taken their British daughter and brainwashed her and done something to her and she'd get over it and she'd get back into her right mind someday. She never did get back in her right mind, amen, <laughs> from living with me for all these years. But no, what I'm saying, folks, is it's not a change that we do ourselves. It's a change that only God can do. And there's only one way and one way alone, and it's not a church, it's not a religion, it is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. We're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. It doesn't matter where along there, we've all missed the mark. And the wages of that is death. The truth is, there's only one way to get that gift of eternal life, and that's through Jesus Christ our Lord. One of the hardest things for most of us is to come and recognize really just how wicked and sinful that we are. But when we begin to realize that now, the Bible teaches us that it was while we were sinners, while we were wicked, while we were enemies with God, that Jesus died for us. The truth is, that's a love beyond our comprehension. And I don't, you know, you start trying to figure that out with your natural mind, and a lot of it won't make sense, but let me say this to you. Recognize and admit that you're a sinner and that you will pay the consequences of that, but God, your creator, doesn't want that for you. That's why Jesus Christ came to this earth so that he could be nailed to that cross, that you could die to you with your sins right there with him on that cross. That when he raised out of that tomb three days later that he raised a life not just for himself but for you. I unashamedly say to you this evening, the thing that changed Antonio's life was Jesus Christ. And that same Jesus Christ will change your life this evening.
I can't do it for you. You know, you know I would do anything that I could to help you. I would, I, I would try to help you if you were in trouble. I would try to help you quit doing something that was hurting you. I would try to help you in all these ways. But Jesus is the only one that can save you. If you come to me, my greatest privilege in the world is pointing you to him because I know what he did for me, what he's done for Antonio, what he's done for many of you right here this evening. So we find this evening that that same Jesus is who Antonio is identifying himself with this evening. Antonio, we find that in Acts chapter 8, we find one short story that I want to read just before that we enter into the waters of baptism this evening. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, and I just want to relate this to what we were looking at this morning and this evening. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south into the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now, we talked about these open doors. We talked about the open door, the great door and effectual, the great effective door that God opened for Paul in Ephesus. Well, here God is opening a door before this one called Philip. This is a door that God is opening. It is God that is opening the door and sending him through that door. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Here's a religious guy. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship in some way or whatever. He was a prominent guy. He was, you know, like over all the money of, of, of the Ethiopia for the, for the queen and so he had a prominent position. But we find that just as God was opening a door on the one hand for Philip to go through, and he did, he arose and went, he's opening this door of salvation for this eunuch. And Jesus is the only door. It's the only way to get there. And God's the only one that can open that door. And it says he was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he read Isaiah the prophet. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. And it says, then the Spirit, Holy Spirit, said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And it says, and Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? Here's this Ethiopian. He's reading the book of Isaiah, probably chapter 53, I don't know. He's reading the book of Isaiah. And, of course, then God says, Philip, Philip, you go over there. Get close to him. And he goes over there, and he asks him this question. Do, do you understand what you're reading there? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, aha, uh -huh. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, 
I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And preached, he's preaching Jesus from Isaiah, by the way, in the Old Testament. But you see, God took, he opened the door and he took this, this Ethiopian eunuch, he took him to the word of God. Remember those little simple things like faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God? All of creation declares that God is there and that he's the creator. But it's the word of God that tells us our condition and tells us what Jesus Christ did for us. This door of salvation opened. God allowed this Ethiopian eunuch to be able to, to read in his word and this, this stuff was, he didn't understand what he was reading about. He didn't understand who this was. He understood that it was somebody and that it was significant what he was doing. But who is this that I'm reading about? God opened the door of opportunity of witness for Philip. And he's there to take the word of God and to preach to him Jesus, the Bible says. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Here's the water. What hinders me from being baptized? What's in your heart? He just got through preaching to him, Jesus. <laughs> He's not talking about just believing anything. If you believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Never had these two paths ever crossed before. And yet here, God takes one that already belongs to him, that is a child of God, and he opens this door of opportunity. We need to be ever tentative to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit, and where he's wanting to take us and when he's wanting us there. And he opens the door, the greatest door of opportunity ever, the door of salvation to this Ethiopian eunuch. They'd never met before, never seen each other. And yet in God's plan, they were there on that same road at just the right time this day for him to hear the message of salvation, to hear about Jesus Christ, to put his faith and trust in Jesus, and to be baptized and identified as a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for today. Antonio, believest thou this? <laughs> 
with all your heart. And this is why that Antonio is here. This is why he wants to follow the Lord. And this is why it's a testimony to you this evening. You see, we're not a bunch of nuts just trying to get a bunch of people wet. <laughs> and, you know, to be quite honest, I, I don't mean this in the wrong way. But God knows when the Lord's coming back for us. And it's not my goal to get even one more church member on the roll before he gets here. All I want for Bethel Free Baptist Church is for it to be what God wants it to be, for him to build it as he wants it to be built with those that he wants to build it with. Now, I hope to see a lot more people saved. And if he puts them in this family, great. But I'm saying to you this evening, we're not here to entice you into anything. We're here because a young man's life has been changed because of Jesus Christ. And, you know, he used all these things. Look at where he was. It's great to have Allison and Alistair with us. You know, their paths had never crossed before. You know, he's, he's looking for some kind of work to help take care of some kids. And, and to start with, she thinks he's younger than what she's looking for to help take care of her kids. But God brought them together. A door of opportunity on one side, not just to hear, but to see the gospel, to see Christ in other people's lives. A door of opportunity on the other side to be that witness. They were from other parts of the world. God brought them together. And that's how God, oh, you know, he went off the wrong way even some after that. And he was determined to do his own thing. But God had other plans for him. You see, the truth is, is that all along, God loved him so much. God was doing all these things to protect him, to bring him to the point. But there had to come that point. Nobody could do it for him. There came that point when Antonio alone could humble himself before a holy God and ask forgiveness for himself that only God could give. And the only way God could give it through him was because of the faith that he put in what Jesus Christ had done for him. He did that himself, but God brought all that together. And maybe you're here this evening. Maybe the last thing on your agenda, you know, last week or the week before or whatever, was to be sitting in Bethel Free Baptist Church on this Sunday evening. But God maybe has you here this evening for a door of opportunity to open for you, a door of salvation. Maybe or maybe not. This Ethiopian eunuch, he obviously had been a religious man, but he didn't know Jesus. So he didn't have the one thing that he needed. Maybe you've had it all, but maybe this evening God wanted you here to hear this young man's testimony, to see what God has done to him, to bring him here this evening, to see his commitment, to want to be able to say before the whole world, I am unashamedly a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe this is your door of opportunity for salvation, that God is graciously moving on your life and maybe, maybe because remember what we read there a while ago, you know, maybe God has opened that door before you. But the truth is that door can close and you can't open it. No man can open it. God has opened it for you. So maybe this evening you need to step through that door just as the Ethiopian eunuch did, just as Antonio did, just as many have here this evening. Mm -hmm. 